0: Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder.
1: Hey, I'm Michael Wilder.
0: And then and, with and <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, baby.
1: Oh, we're we're with Dr. Matt. Okay, he's a real intellectual. So this is we're going to take this guy high. Okay, um, so uh, hey, I, I have a question. Uh, well, Lynn officially introduce him you always do such a good job
0: we have with us today matt Eklund. Um, Matt has a chapter in the new book, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. He's a former LDS missionary, uh, now follower of the Jesus of the Bible. He's going to tell us his story today. And then after we get through his story, we're going to look specifically at the chapter that he has written in this amazing book. This is my new favorite book on mormonism responding to the mormon missionary message matt has a doctorate and um i cannot wait to hear what happened to you matt <laughs> welcome
2: Thank you both for uh, having me on. I'm so I was so excited to to be on. I was I was a little bit worried that it wasn't going to happen, but I was like, well, I'll, I'll I'll see what happens. So I'm glad that we finally made it work. <laughs> but uh, so, what would you like me to tell you? I can tell you as much as you want or as little well, as you want.
0: We want to know if you grew up LDS, um, if you grew up in the West, like in the middle of Mormon culture. How active your family was. How much your heart was in it. Um, tell us about your mission. Sure. That's a good place to start, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So yes, I grew up in Northern Utah. So my family, we've lived in basically Pleasant View, uh, North Ogden area. So I went to uh, North Ogden Junior High School and Weber High School. So that's where I grew up. Uh, my family grew up in their homes. They were, I think my mother was quasi active in the church um, and my dad was uh Uh, pretty active, I believe his, his dad was a high priest, uh, my grandpa. So they were all, they got, they all grew up in the context of, of LDS families. Um, Even if, even if my mom's family wasn't really fully active, you know, there's, you know, you're, you're kind of in the cult, the cultural milieu of Mormonism in, in Northern Utah. So they, they kind of grew up with that culture the cultural background. So that's kind of what I grew up in is my parents uh, were both members. Uh, We attended church pretty, pretty regularly. I think when I was younger, um, then when I started getting a little bit older, um, about 12 or 13, I think that's when kind of when my parents had kind of started having a little bit of, uh, issues. So, um, they were divorced, I think when I was 13 and kind of at that point, I was a little bit more sporadic in my church attendance at that point. Uh, whoa, I, I did.
0: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can't just run past something like that. 13 year old sure. young man. Then did your father, was he not in the house after that? How did that how did that affect you and your faith?
2: Yeah, so it was as weird. It, I was, in the
0: Mormon culture, it's kind of a hard thing, right? Divorce mm. is not looked on as a good thing.
2: Right, yeah, exactly. Um, well, another thing too is my parents were not married in the temple. So I always kind of grew up with that that idea that I was slightly different from all the other kids, you know, they were in primary, they would always be excited. They always say, my parents married marrying the Ogden temple or mine were marrying the Salt Lake temple. And so I was like, well, I would ask my parents, why were not <laughs> why were not you marrying the temple? Um, so there was that kind of growing up, but yeah, it was a little bit difficult, uh, dealing with that just because, um, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, you hear a lot of horror stories about divorces and how that goes. So it, it was, it was just a different experience for us, but at the same time, they had kind of had a lot of uh, disputes, I guess you could say. So in a sense, I, I kind of felt as a kid, I was like, well, maybe it's the best for them because maybe they'll, they'll, you know, it'll it'll kind of resolve a lot of those issues. And um, so in terms of my faith, it, I, uh, I'm not sure what I really believed or had faith in. I guess I should go back and say that uh, I'm technically a convert of the church. So even though I grew up oh. in a family where we, where we attended the church, uh, somewhat regularly i i wasn't baptized when i turned 8 and i have a younger sister jenny who um she is 2 years younger than i am so i they never really brought up the issue of baptism for me they never really encouraged me to do it they never really questioned me about it it was just a topic that didn't come up and so uh, i remember asking my parents you know because when you're in church you hear things and i'm like okay well you know can you get to heaven without baptism? And my parents were like, well, no, I don't think you can. So I was like, Oh, that's not good. You know, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> so mm-hmm. as a, as a young eight, nine year old, I was like, well, okay. So I, I was like, well, I should do that. So we contacted the church and you know probably our Bishop and asked if I could become a member. And they said, well, since he's over the age of eight, you have to receive the missionary lessons. So I, I had to receive those. Um, and I was baptized when I was 10 at the same time, my sister was eight. So, um, but in terms of like what I believed or what my faith was, I, I'm not really sure how much I really understood. It was kind of more like I felt like I wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing or, or you know, to get to heaven mm. rather than like feeling a genuine understanding of who Jesus is and like what the gospel is. So um, it's hard for me to think back and understand what I really understood. It was more like you're, when your whole family is LDS and they're all part of the church, you kind of want to do what, what you feel is right, what pleases them or what you know, if, to meet those expectations. So then when my parents split, I'm not really sure how that affected my faith because I'm not sure how deep my faith was at the time, if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, I, I have a question Um, just of sure. quickly. So um, when you were around 10, you had to take the missionaries discussions, like all the missionary discussions? Yes, I did. <laughs> that is really, really interesting because those can get kind of deep. And, you know, mm. there's not that much difference between an eight-year-old who just says, Mom, Dad, I want to be baptized. Okay, we'll take you in and be baptized. You have like a five-minute interview with the bishop, and, and you're you're baptized. Um, now, were you a child of record? Did, did you receive a blessing in the church? Did your um, parents have you blessed in the church? I don't think so. I don't okay. think I was. Okay. So then at 10 years old, you take the full missionary discussions did you have to be interviewed by a head missionary before you were uh, baptized? In other words, uh, you went through the discussions, and right. then uh, well, you know, you you've been a missionary. Then at the you know when you have a convert, then there's a person that comes in who's not part of the missionary team to give you another kind of a quiz or whether you're going to be baptized or not. Do you remember that? I
2: don't. The only interview I remember is I think I spoke with the stake president because it was really kind of scary because I didn't know who he was. You know, like the bishop, I knew <laughs> who the bishop was. But then they brought me to this office with this other old guy. And I'm like, oh man, wh- what's going to happen here? What are they going to ask me? And my mom's like, don't worry. You know, he's just going to ask you a couple questions. So that's the only interview I really re- yeah. recall.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe it could have been the ward mission leader. You think it could have been that? Uh, mm. It'd be really unusual for a stake president to interview a a, a, a child 10 years old. But I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm not sure. It's Okay, I, I'm, I was just uh, curious about that. So we'll pick it up from there. So you were baptized and you were going down through your checklist. Okay, I had to have this, I had to have this, and I have to have this, and I'm on the process of being saved. Or did you feel like after you were baptized, well, I've made it, I've been baptized, I'm saved. Or did you have other questions or did other things start coming up that you had to do? So
2: uh, to follow up with that, do you mean saved as a, as a Latter-day Saint would understand it or as a, as a Protestant would understand it? As a, as a Latter-day Saint. As a Latter-day Saint. Okay. Uh, yeah, I felt like, you know, it felt like, uh, it's going through your initiation, I guess, you know, becoming a member. I was like, okay, you know, I'm in the church, you know, and, uh, I'm part of, part of the group now. I'm part of the, you know, I'm a card carrying Latter-day Saint now. um, and then, and so i i continue going to church although I'm not i can't recall how frequently I, we went pretty frequently as a family um up until like i said my parents split um but then when i turned 12 i you know i i received the uranic priesthood you know i became a deacon and i started going somewhat regularly to uh, also uh, baptisms for the dead at the augan temple and um yeah i just felt like i don't know it felt like the, like I said, it, it seemed more like a like a moral thing I was doing in terms of fulfilling what I thought was the right thing to do. But in terms of my actual connection to God, I didn't really have much of one. It was kind of more fulfilling what I felt like was expected of me yeah. um, at that time. Um, and that's kind of probably why continuing forward, like in my middle teenage years, I kind of just grew apathetic about the church. It was, was kind of funny because it started, I was actually still going to seminary in ninth grade uh, at Orthogon junior high. I was going to seminary, but I kind of just did it because again, I thought it was expected of me and I thought it would be a good thing to do, but I didn't really have any passion for, um, for what, we, what was being taught or the lessons or things like that. I didn't really have a, I never really had a fire for wanting to believe, you know, like I thought it was, I'd watch general conference and I'd go to church and things like that. But It wasn't really a super, you know, super huge part of my life or my heart. Um, And that kind of, and so I kind of became an active for a few years, like two, three years. Um, So I was a teacher, I was ordained a teacher, but then I was not ordained a priest when I was 16. Um, But then uh, I, so I went through high school, graduated high school, started college. And I kind of felt uh, at that point, like convicted in terms of my faith. Like I felt like, you know, I don't know, I, I felt like there was a tug on me, you know, that I that I needed to do something to change something in me. You know, I think I've, all of us kind of have that kind of point in our lives a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So around 19, um, I kind of started going back to the church, but like instead of just going nominally or doing it like to to fulfill expectations, it was kind of more like, okay, I feel like I need to become better. And it's not like I committed a crime or something like that. It just felt like, it just felt like God was kind of pulling me to to do something. So I started going back to the church. Um, I was going to a singles ward just because it kind of felt weird to be in a normal ward as like a single guy preparing for, well, I, I wasn't yet preparing for a mission. I wanted a testimony first. So I was like, well, okay, if I get a testimony, you know, I, I was like, I'll, I, made a, I made a promise to God. I was like, if I get a testimony of the book of Mormon, then I'll serve a mission. So that's kind of how I saw things. and And then I kind of went back into reactivity in the church and, Got, went really kind of full bore you know took some courses uh, at uh, at the university like some institute courses and really s- prepared and read and studied a lot and prayed a lot and you know I f- and then when i felt like i received a testimony i felt like that's what i should do is serve a mission so
0: so you went to the university of utah yes
2: uh yes but that was later after my mission so i started at um there's a, a local a small university in ogden called weaver state university oh
0: yeah mm-hmm.
2: so i i went there for uh couple of I've, I've total I've gone there about two or three years I went one year before my mission and then a couple after I think so that's where I started was at Weber State and then um we can get into that later if you want but the reason I went to the University of Utah is because I switched majors and they didn't have engineering <laughs> at uh, University of, or Weber State at the time
0: I was going to ask you about your academic interest real quickly sure uh
2: yeah so I've always been interested in computers and and uh, math and things like that so I uh, when I started college, my original goal was to do computer science because that's what I liked—was programming, and I liked computers. And my mom, she's a, uh, she works at the, well, she worked, she's retired now. She worked at the IRS and she was a programmer. And so uh, she kind of encouraged me to, to to do what I wanted to do. My dad always wanted me to go to medical school. <laughs> you know, he's one of those dads that's like, you know, I want my kid to be a, a medical doctor. You know, and but I never found interest in that. So I started in computer science. And um, that's what I was going to do when I came back from a mission. But when I came back, I kind of had more interest in like physics and um, engineering, things like that. Mm. So that's that's kind of why I wanted to switch to engineering. But then I realized well, Weaver State only has a what they call a pre-engineering program where you do your first two or three years there, and then you finish your last two at another university. So that's what I had to do. I switched to uh, pre-engineering and I did my two years there. And then I went to uh, University of Utah to do my last two mechanical engineering. My when I when I wanted to get into engineering, I really wanted to get into nuclear engineering because I really liked nuclear energy. I liked the idea of of studying more physics, like you study more atomic and nuclear physics. So I really liked that and quantum mechanics, things like that. So, but they didn't have a bachelor's degree for that either. So I always feel like I'm 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 like a step away from where I wanted to get. <laughs> so I had to do pre engineering, then mechanical engineering. And then after I finished that at University of Utah, then I did a master's in nuclear engineering at University of Utah, and then uh, did my PhD at a small college. It's kind of well known in the Northeast, but not really well known in Utah. It's called Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. So that's where I did my PhD. Okay, wow. Hey, um,
0: I've got
1: I've got a question. Okay, I mean, I, since we're talking about this, okay, uh, <laughs> is backgrounds
0: and for, math and computers? So, so,
1: so I <laughs> I, I, awesome. I know you studied a lot of math. Okay, and did, yeah, it's like. Have you ever heard or researched or talked about Newton's numerical law regression? Have you ever heard that? (laughs) Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. A lot of people think I'm nuts because I mentioned that. My undergrad is math. And that was one of the unique things we had to learn uh, our senior years in numerical analysis uh was Newton numerical mm-hmm. law regression. And I think everybody should study that. That's it's, it's a fascinating thing. So uh okay, okay. So it it still does exist. But yeah, University of Utah is a great they were they were the first one to do major graphic designs and computers. Uh right. like the uh, the little light hopping along you know? <laughs> and oh right, uh, right, right with uh which is Pixar. famous for a lot Pixar, yes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so uh but uh, anyway well that, that's fascinating. So, okay. So what's, uh,
0: what's fascinating to me is we have a logical math science brain, much like yours and mine, right, Mike? Um, which at some point I think will play into this story, <laughs> right? But at right. this point, you're looking at the morality, you're wanting to do what's right. And so now I guess at some point you consider a Mormon mission.
2: Right. Yeah. I was, like I said, I wanted to really feel like I had a testimony of it, you know, like a spiritual witness, because I didn't want to just go out and, you know, be able to recite the the facts of the Book of Mormon. You know, anybody could do that, really. I wanted to be able to say, you know, even though I don't have all the answers, you know, I know by the, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost that this is true. So I really kind of studied it and prayed it and prayed over it and prayed for that witness. And I felt like I received a spiritual witness that it was true. Um, and so after that, I was like, okay, well, I should put my papers in. So I, I prepared for probably like a year. I worked. So I when I went to, to Weber State, I was also working. I uh, wasn't getting a lot of sleep, which is another pattern that, <laughs> that <laughs> followed later when I came home from my mission. And uh, and then I took a year off of school and just worked for another year to kind of help save up money. So um, so for a couple of years after college, I was preparing for my mission and I left in 2007. Uh, August 2007 is when I entered
0: the MTC. Okay. And how did this confirmation come to you? Mm. You were specifically praying about the Book of Mormon, whether it's true. And if it is, then the church says, well, then everything that Joseph Smith taught is true and he's a prophet of God. And this is the one true church. Can you, can you tell us specifically about that experience and what Mormons expect?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you're right. It's, it's, it's with the expectation that that's why I, I felt like if I had that witness then everything, like you said, everything else kind of falls into place. If you have a witness to the Book of Mormon, then you should believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet, that, uh, the restoration, you know, was, was God's work in the earth and that the Book of Mormon and all the latter day revelations and scriptures, that those are all true. And that uh, you know, we, that this is the true church, although, you know, later on I would kind of have a little bit of difference of opinion, but that's kind of how the LDS church, uh, states it or, or frames the whole situation. So when I was reading the book of Mormon and I read through it and it was around the time, I think it was 2005 was the Gordon B. Hinckley challenge, right. Um, mm-hmm. To read the book of Mormon. Yeah. And so it was funny because I started coming back. I, I started attending the church. I think it was the latter half of 2005. It was probably closer to September or something like that. And, um, People are asking me, so how far are you in the Book of Mormon? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm in like second Nephi or something. And they're like, oh, were you going to finish it by the end of the year? And I'm like, well, what's the big deal with that? You know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. So it was kind of funny to, to, to join like two thirds of the way into the year, into this Book of Mormon challenge. I didn't finish it by December. I finished it sometime the year, the year after, but yeah, I was praying a lot and praying, you know, praying for a witness, a confirmation. And I expected to hear, to have some kind of like feeling or peace or something that would be, you know, not just something I could conjure up, you know, I felt like I had to be something that was significant enough that I could say, well, that was from God and not just for myself. Mm-hmm. So when I feel like I finally got that, uh, that confirmation, I feel like it was, um, I remember I was praying and I felt just like a really, you know, a lot of calm come over me and just felt like, you know, just felt at peace. And I felt like, okay, this is, you know, this is probably the confirmation I'm looking for. I wasn't expecting angels or, or visions or anything like that. I just I was looking for something like that, and so that's kind of what pulled me, what uh, what I considered my my testimony of the Book of Mormon at the time, and and what kind of pushed me through my mission as well. Because when you have hard times, you know you kind of go back to your testimony a lot of times for uh, comfort.
1: Yeah, well that's that's interesting. In you know two thousand and five, you know we we were in Utah at that time. I remember that call going out to read the Book of Mormon. And being converts uh, back in the, uh, 1977, I do believe, uh, um, we uh, we heard that call many times. Uh, Ezra Taft Benson, who was a prophet in the early 80s, read the Book of Mormon. And so this year, we're going to read the Book of Mormon. And two years later, we're going to read the Book of Mormon again. And, two as, a and as a family. And as a family, we're going yeah. to read it again. And I said, well, maybe I should read the Bible. No, 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 we got to read the Book of Mormon. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it's funny, that's been a call. It seems like every so many years they they do that because I think if the LDS church has a tendency, if they keep you in the Book of Mormon, you don't have a lot of time to study the Bible. And then you correlate what the Book of Mormon teaching, because if Joseph Smith was a prophet, then you're going to go off and start reading you know, things by Latter-day Prophets and this and this and this, and you kind of get... That's what happened to me personally. I was a very strong believer in the Bible, um, but but I got pulled away. I remember when I joined the LDS Church and I looked at the missionaries, I said, Now, the Bible, I held the Bible in one hand, the Book of Mormon in another hand. And I said, Now, the Book of Mormon is not more important than the Bible, right? And they said, No, they're they're equal. And I said, Okay. Well, later on, I learned it was different. And the whole concept is to push the members to the Book of Mormon to get that so-called testimony of the Book of Mormon. And then you go off and knowing that, well, if the Book of Mormon is true, as you stated, then everything else has to follow in line. So.
0: So then you decided to put your papers in. How old were you when you did that?
2: So I was 20 at the time. Um yeah, about twenty and a half.
0: And so you get, ended up going because the prophet personally looks at your papers and talks to God and decides where you need to go on your Mormon mission.
2: That's what we're told. Well I was told it was at least one of the twelve. <laughs> okay. I've always wondered I've always wondered how that works behind the scenes. I'm not gonna not gonna deviate <laughs> from the the discussion, but I always wondered what actually happens. But yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's correct. So I, I put my papers in and that was at the time, I think they were transitioning to the digital uh, paper submission process because before you had to literally mail your submission to the LDS church. But I think it was around 2007 where they were transitioning to where you, you fill it out all online. And then it's kind of like a job application where they just email it to church headquarters. So I sent my, when I finally got all the this, this the signature sent in or signatures done and all the paperwork done. We sent it in. Then I got my call like a week and a half later, I think. Whoa. So, so yeah, it was like, we sent it on a Sunday and then we got it on like, uh, not that, that same Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. So it was a pretty quick process. Hmm. Um, and so when I got my call, it was to the, uh, Belgium, Brussels, Netherlands mission, which I don't think exists anymore. I'm, I haven't kept up with all the missionary boundaries. It, it was actually closed like within a year or two after I <laughs> came home, they, they took it so my mission was basically two parts. There was the Netherlands part and the Dutch speaking Belgium part. And that was obviously Dutch speaking. And then there's the other part, which is the French speaking part of Belgium and uh, a little chunk of Northern France. And that was the French speaking part. And they were kind of stuck together in one mission. Um, And Mm -hmm. I, and I heard that within six months to a year after I came home, they had been consolidating a lot of missionary bound mission boundaries. So they closed that mission. And I think it's like a, a, I think it's a still a Dutch speaking mission with their headquarters in, Bel- in Brussels, but that's just the Dutch side. And then the French speaking side was just kind of merged with the Paris mission is what I heard. So. Like and said, the reason
0: for this is uh, less believers in, sorry, less believers in Europe, or do you think um, not enough Mormon missionaries?
2: I think it might be a little bit of both. I think the church has, tried to send missionaries where they think it's going to bring the most success. And so we weren't getting nearly as many converts in our mission in that area as they would, you know, in South America or Asia. So, and, and so they sent less missionaries there. So, you know, our group was a really large group that came from the MTC and the group that came in to, to replace us, was less than half of what we were. So it was uh-huh. kind of just like a, like a, you know, like a law of attrition type thing where it's like, you know, we have all these missionaries, but when they go home, you're not backfilling them in with more, with the same number of missionaries. So it just kind of slowly crept down, down and down until the, I guess it got to a point where they just felt that they should merge them with the Paris mission.
0: Well, so that, during that, your that, mission, that, was there anything that um, kind of caused you to, question the church or something that stuck with you from your mission sorry mike you'll get the next one
2: (laughs) (laughs) no that's a great question uh thinking back on my mission there wasn't times where i doubted the church it was just i felt like there was a lot of struggles i actually feel like i had at the time i feel like i had experiences where i felt like they kind of confirmed my testimony um uh Like, like there were a few times where we'd get into a tussle with people, you know, like (laughs) there are a couple of times we get beat up or robbed or something like that. And there's this one time where where a guy tried to rob us, but one of our friends uh, that we, he wasn't even a member. He was just a guy we used to talk to a lot and he would walk his dog around town a lot. And so like he, he kind of chased off the guy that was trying to rob us uh, with his dog. I was like, oh man, that's a testimony that God's protecting us. You know, we're, (laughs) this is God's gospel. This is the truth. So yeah. no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have any like doctrinal or spiritual issues during my mission that made me doubt. Um, it was just a uh, kind of a, a time of trial and testing that was a little bit difficult. Um, I do remember things people said to me, like Christians that that I would meet. Um, but strange enough, I, I I feel like I've met more Muslims than I did Christians on my mission because there was a really mm-hmm. high Muslim population in that area. So they would ask me things like, well, how could, how could God be, um, In Mary's belly, you know, like, uh, you know, how how would God come down and 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 be in her? Like, who's who's left up in heaven, you know, to rule things, you know, to keep things going? And and I was like, well, you know, we don't believe, you know, we believe that God and and Jesus are completely separate beings. So, you know, so Jesus was simultaneously in 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 Mary, you know, and then God the Father was ruling up in heaven. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, we'd have a lot of discussions with uh, Muslims that were pretty interesting. But in terms of things hey, so, that cause me to doubt or question, not really
1: much. Yeah. So we'll have to pick this up and go into more detail when we talk about the Trinity in the next episode. Uh, so, but yep. uh, uh, but uh, that's 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 fascinating. So so to summarize, uh, well, Lynn, you you kind of wrap ahead, it up babe. here. Uh, well, no, no, to, to, you just do it, okay? Because <laughs> we're we're getting sl- close on time. <laughs> so.
0: All right. Um. This is a good place to start or stop with Matt because he's kind of at the end of his mission. I assume when he goes home, something's going to happen to cause him to question his Mormon faith. And that's where we'll begin next time. Grace and peace to you. Until next time. And may God bless.